Ahoy sailors, this is Teresa Carey aboard Elizabeth. Last summer I learned about the Martin family and their unique travels. I've been anxious to talk to Jaja a bit more and today I was finally able to catch up with her again. Could you start by telling, telling me briefly about your journey? Sure. What I would say is that from a very young age, and I mean a teenager, I knew that I didn't want to do the normal thing. What I saw was the path that most people chose, but I also didn't know what I wanted to do. I met Dave in the Caribbean. I had been teaching sailing for a company that sent me abroad, and we moved from hotel to hotel every six months. So, so Dave and I met in the Virgin Islands, and then... Um, he solo sailed to England, and then we met again in England. We got together, and we circumnavigated from England through the Panama Canal. Um, we spent about three years in the little triangle that makes up Fiji, New Caledonia, uh, Australia, New Zealand. And uh -huh. while we were in that area, we had two kids were born there. And, um, and then we decided it was time to go back to the States to uh, finish our circumnavigation. And then Tiga was born sort of on the way. For us, the United States was another new country. And, um, and we were in the States for about a year and a half, and then we did a five-year Arctic journey. Um, we went to Norway and Scotland and Iceland and Greenland and spent some time up there, which was wonderful. Really, really great people and scenery and stuff. It's funny because your perspective on life um, changes no matter where you are. And I think when you're traveling and you're in your own adventure, like you have been in your own adventure, you don't realize how the rest of the world views you and you don't really feel like you're in an adventure. You're just living your life. And that's really how we felt when we were out there. Um, now that we're not sailing, we see it from a different point of view. Mm -hmm. How was it raising children on a boat? You had three children. and Actually, that's one of those perspective questions that would be difficult to answer having never raised a child not on a boat. People would come up to the kids and they'd say, what is it like living on a boat? And they would be asking like an 8-year-old or a 9-year-old or a 10-year-old. First of all, it took them a long time before they realized that not everybody lived on a boat. Kids think that what they do is the normal thing. They think everybody does what they do. Um, because you're asking about something that is so normal and they have no perspective on, it would be sort of like going up to your average kid in school and saying, so what is it like living in a house? I think it's a lot harder to raise a child in a boat only because we didn't have running water um, or hot water, we had to drag, you know, we had to carry our water, especially in the um, Arctic, where you know water is in a solid form up there, without refrigeration, without um, a babysitter, or we had friends when we stopped, but not you know in between. So we didn't have that relief that people get from a grandmother or sort of like a community um, feeling of having your kids stay at someone's house and then someone else's house. The rewards, and it will be different for each person, really far outweigh the difficulties because I feel so fortunate that we were able to bring up our kids ourselves, and um, my kids didn't have to go to daycare, and they didn't have to um, 
be brought up by someone else, and they didn't even go to school till they were older. I was so lucky I got to homeschool them and teach them and watch them grow. And even though, of course, it wasn't wonderful every minute, you do get really frustrated sometimes. Yeah. But overall, it was um, something I would never, ever give up. And and it's what I wanted to do. I wanted to bring them up. I recently read an article about why sailors stop cruising. They they dream mm-hmm. of cruising for so long and save up for it, and then they go cruising and only last a year or two, and then they mm-hmm. stop. So the article talked about cruising depression and how people um, wow. need a sense of a, a normal life and a sense of routine again. And I wonder mm-hmm. if you ever felt that way or ever wanted to throw in the towel Well, sometimes I feel like we cheated. When Dave and I met, we were in our 20s, and neither of us had anything. I got on the boat with my backpack, pretty much. I mean, that was pretty much it, and we left. And we had no house, no car, no bank account, nothing. So that when we went from place to place, our whole life was with us in our boat. And I think for people like who experience the cruising depression, they're leaving something behind. And it's because they feel like they're not fulfilled to the same extent as what they were fulfilled with before they left. Material items or um, a geographical location or friends or meaningful work. And we did meet a lot of cruisers who were professional young adults. Bored cruiser syndrome. Mm-hmm. And they would say, and they even called it BCS, and they'd say, oh, we have BCS, let's go over to so-and-so's boat for a cocktail party. And I had babies, and I was hand-washing laundry and getting to the store and carrying stuff back, and someone was sick, and all I could think of was, oh, my gosh, I wish I was bored. <laughs> so I know, I wanted to be bored so bad. Just put a baby on your boat, and you'll never be bored. The real, The realization that the option to quit was always there, that carried us through sometime in difficult times because we'd say if we want to quit, all we have to do is sell the boat, get mm-hmm. on an airplane, and go to the States. But just knowing that that was in the back of our mind, that was kind of the resting place for um, a feeling of strife or an intense feeling of anxiety, like, all right, I'm ready to be done. So we would think about it, and then we would reject it, and we'd mm-hmm. carry on, and everything was okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What finally made you stop? We had a period of time after Holly was born where we uh, seriously considered um, immigrating to New Zealand. And it was sort of a turning point. We were anchored in a river in um, Bundaberg, Australia. And we thought about something that a good friend of ours from New Caledonia had told us um, when we were there several months earlier. And he said... If you stop cruising now, you'll have nothing. But if you continue back around to where you started, which we had started sort of in Barbados, um, you'll have a circumnavigation. And that's something, it's an experience, and it's, um, it's something that no one can ever take away from you. And we thought about that, and we carried on. And that was maybe a, a time that was difficult because we had two babies. We had a an almost two-year-old and a five-month-old, and we were facing a long passage ahead of us. So, I mean, I think one of the things that you're going to find when you cruise is there are people who say things to you that stick in your head, and they're really meaningful to you for some reason, and they'll come back to you in times of strife and help you out like that, like that did for us. Mm -hmm. Someone did say something to me once, and um, it's quite the opposite of what you experienced, where your friend said, 
you have nothing, and but if you if you finish your circumnavigation of a circumnavigation, well, a friend of mine said to me that he would rather sail about the world than around the world, and so I've kind mm -hmm. of adopted that as my own. I don't particular have a goal to sail around the world. For me, I would just mm -hmm. rather go to new places that I've never experienced before. I'm interested in knowing why you spent so much time in the northern latitudes. Ben and I just sailed around Newfoundland last summer, and that was pretty cold for us. I'm trying to convince him that when we do sail across the Atlantic to go the northern route because I found it to be more interesting to me. But I was wondering why, why you guys spent so much more time there than, um, than staying in the tropics where a lot of cruisers like to go. It's a destination place. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you probably have an idea of the answer because you also enjoyed the northern um, latitudes so much. And part of our philosophy of cruising is that if something hits you, just go with it. And we enjoy being spontaneous, and we also make a point not to make a big plan because we've learned that as you get closer to your goal, there's more people around you that you talk to that that will tell you about what is in the place where you're going. Um, if you remain open and spontaneous, you might end up with a different adventure. And that kind of goes with your idea of sailing about the world. That's kind of the same idea where you're going to be more spontaneous and say, all right, we don't have to sail around the world. We're just going to see what hits us and, mm -hmm. and go with it. Mm -hmm. uh, our northern dream began after I had been in the tropics for about 15 years, and Dave had probably been in it a similar amount of time. And we were in the doldrums with our two kids crossing the Atlantic between Ascension Island and Brazil. We were right in the middle. We were running out of water. We were watching rainstorms go by. There was no wind. We were making zero knots. We had the sails down because they were sliding. It was beautiful. It was really calm. And the whole sea was just like a mirror with big swells going up and down. And Dave said, you know, what are we going to do when we get back to the States? And I said, let's circumnavigate Iceland. And it morphed into spending five years in the Arctic because we liked, we liked it so much uh -huh. up there. I'm going to read something from your book, but it really spoke to me because it's kind of why Ben and I chose to go north last summer. At the end of Chapter 6 from Into the Light, A Family's Epic Journey, by Dave and Jaja Martin, it says, We accepted the drawbacks that came with living aboard during a high-latitude winter because we wanted experiences that were beyond market value. Enduring an extreme climate and absorbing a unique culture are experiences that cannot be purchased easily with hard cash. Sometimes you have to give blood. Thank you for joining me for a parlay aboard, Elizabeth. All right. Well, thank you. It was good to talk to you. It was good to talk to you, too. If you want to find out more about this unconventional family and to order their book or film, visit iceblinksail.com. You can also find more information on my blog at sailingsimplicity.com. This is Teresa Carey aboard Elizabeth. Out. Out.